Good afternoon. Welcome to Screen Cleaning. I'm Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wissinger. Screen Cleaning is the show where if, you know, maybe you're not sure what to show your family or how you can be entertained over the weekend, Cole and I are here each and every week to give you the very best in entertainment, to give you some ideas that can uh, help you feel safe at home and safe at the movies. And to shine a spotlight on the entertainment that's worthwhile in the world. Right. And part of the way we do that is we start off by sharing our favorite news from the past week. And that we only share the good news. Occasionally we will share with you when a, a performer or somebody in Hollywood has passed away. That's obviously sad. But we don't focus on the gossip or anything that you might find that on those Hollywood intrigues, right? Stuff. The the grocery store magazine type stuff. We don't really care about that. What we do care about is Comic Con. Oh boy, have you ever been to Comic Con, Jeff? I have been to Salt Lake Comic Con, which they the name has changed since I've been. It's so. now Fan X because there's there only go. one true Comic Con, and that's the San Diego <laughs> one, and that's the one that just happened last week. No, I've never I've never made that pilgrimage down to San Diego to get dressed up and try to spot all the celebrities that are walking the floor disguised as something else so that they can do it without being hassled. Pilgrimage is a good word for it. I feel like it's a rite of passage for those in our industry to head down there at least once and to see all the panels and to just just have the news wash over you of all that is coming up in the world of not just comic books, but just anything that was once ever considered nerdy that is, I mean, really the most mainstream stuff that there is nowadays. I think the older I get, the more I realize like, oh, yeah. Maybe celebrities don't like being gawked at. Maybe they don't like being hounded for a signature. If, you know, I mean, if I were a celebrity, I would probably just want to be treated like another person, you know? So that's why I sometimes I don't get it, especially since I recently met a celebrity and I didn't freak out. And it was I was surprised, actually, at how calm and collected I was and how not nervous I was. And I was it was like, you know, it was like you or me talking. It was pretty cool. Anyway, so Cole, tell us the big news at a Comic-Con. So we got to start with Marvel. Like that is comics. There's there's few things in Comic-Con that are still comic based. And so we want to start there with the panel in Hall H there in San Diego. Um, where Kevin Feige stands up and opens the whole panel by announcing to the world that Avengers Endgame is, in fact, the number one movie in all of the world. It passed up Avatar. (sighs) For now. We'll talk more about the box office (laughs) later on in the show, as we always do every Mm -hmm. single week. But that is the news that he started with and followed it up with the schedule of Phase 4 of the MCU. And I was surprised when I read some of these movies that are going to be coming out because they seem kind of like oddball movies, like not your main uh, – not from the main playing ground or ball pit of Marvel movies, these if you will. These are soon to be the main characters okay. because the the main players, as we all know from the Endgame movie that – Everyone listening to this has to have watched by now. Um, Our main players aren't there anymore. Iron Man is dead. Captain America's old. And so we need a new fresh blood to infuse into it. That fresh blood will start off with Black Widow in May of 2020. It will occur just before Avengers Infinity War. Okay, so we're getting like a... 
a Star a Wars mythical. Rogue One type of movie here. I think so. I was kind of hoping it was going to be a true prequel, get get the real storied history of how she became the spy that she is. Maybe elements of that. There and even flashbacks. I and... mean, her and Hawkeye joke around about what happened in Budapest all the time. I kind of hope hmm. that eventually we do see what happened there. Yeah, and it, they they kind of have a weird relationship. I can't tell if oh, it's I love like them. they they had a traumatic experience, and so they have a bond that other people might not understand. Or is there is there like a little bit of love? There I think it too? is the true like work husband work wife thing where okay. there's nothing actually romantic, but it kind of seems like that to everyone around. Yeah. Mm. I there I love their relationships. Hawkeye is often just like one of my favorite things in the entire MCU and I'm going to get more of him but that will be a little later. We need to go chronologically. Yes, I'll hold off of my Hawkeye mm-hmm. excitement mm-hmm. until the time comes because in the fall of 2020 is our first Disney Plus edition into the MCU and that will be with Falcon and the Winter Soldier TV show. And they're fighting over who gets to be the next Captain America. Falcon is the next Captain America. He was given mm. the shield. I think they're both amical towards it. They both understand, like, this is the way it's going to go. But we need to flesh out a little bit more of what happens to them before the shield is really owned. Okay, there's uh, Hawkeye and Falcon, or or no, what is it called? The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Okay, I'm already kind of exhausted, and we're not even, That's we barely the scratched second the surface. Entry. So yeah. the big news to me, I remember when we had our big Disney Plus announcement, when they kind of announced everything that was going on. They announced all of these TV shows that I'm going to mention, ex- except Hawkeye's new. I was really, that was kind of cool to see up on the big screen. Okay. But- we knew that there was going to be a Falcon and Winter Soldier. We knew WandaVision was going to come. That'll be spring 2021. Now. Is that like Spectravision or like Smell-O-Vision or That is the Scarlet Witch and Vision okay. in their own show called WandaVision. Okay. We knew that Loki was going to get a show. That'll be spring of 2021. We knew that there was going to be this animated what if show that's coming in summer of 2021. Is but that like a choose your own adventure type of thing? It'll be like the what if comics just go back and it's multiverse related where they change one event and see what would have happened. What if that had happened? Wait, these what are... if Iron Man won the Civil War instead of Captain America? Or, I mean, the Civil War in the movies wasn't quite the same as the comics. But... So wait, these are movies, not the TV series? These are all the TV series that oh, okay. I just mentioned. Okay, okay. But we knew all of them were coming to Disney+. Plus. I was under the impression we were going to get them kind of at the release of Disney+. Plus. It's still planning to come out in November of 2019. This year, we get Disney+. Plus. None of these new Marvel series Whoa. come until 2020 and 2021, as I just so mentioned. what are we getting if we sign up for Disney+. Plus? Are they giving us anything right off the bat? I mean, the whole back catalog of animated movies. And hmm. Some hmm. Mandalorian, I think, is Star Wars stuff is coming. But it looks like... We're going to have to wait for this new Marvel content. Okay. I didn't know that. Okay. You can get yourself in for the whole first year for about 69 So. Oh, it'll go that's up. Gar- that'll, it'll go up. It definitely. But, <laughs> and by the time, again, the first 20, fall of 2019 is when it's originally coming out. So that'll be expiring right around the time that we get our first real Marvel taste into Disney+. And so... They can definitely check up the prices once they realize that people have to get Disney Plus to be caught up on the Marvel story. (laughs) They already got butts into seats for 22 movies in a row because they said, you got to see the next episode of the Marvel thing. 
Um, yeah. And now they're making you get the streaming service so you can actually watch actual episodes, TV length stuff of all of these new TV series. Okay. So anything else out of Comic-Con that we should be talking about? Well, we got to wrap up. So there's the rest of the Marvel movies oh. as well. Oh, my goodness. So those were all the TV shows. Okay. We have an Eternals movie well, Let me in take a nap first. Let me take a nap. We have Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings in 2021. We have Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness in 2021. And then we have, at the end in November... A Thor movie in mm. 2021. Thor 4, Thor Love and Thunder. I love the out. title. It sounds like a, it almost sounds like a mix between a, like a Beach Boys song and I don't know. A Beach Boys some 80s biopic song. probably. Yeah. Love and Mercy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's interesting, um, Mahershala Ali is going to be Blade. Mm-hmm. He's won two Oscars. I kind of feel like... Marvel is becoming the playground for actors that they've done all their prestige stuff, and now they just want to have fun. You know, you've got Angelina Jolie that's joining the Marvel Universe. She'll be in The Eternals along with Richard Madden and a couple other. And Marvel is kind of slowly, I've read, slowly chipping away at Keanu Reeves, who Mm. would not necessarily be in the conversation for an Academy Award. However... He's just a huge star. Like, he's already done everything that I'm sure he's needed to do as far as breaking all sorts of box office records, but he has not yet been in a Marvel movie. So who knows? Maybe maybe they'll uh, put enough money in front of him, and maybe he'll be at a, mo- a time in his life where he's like, yeah, that could be fun. We've talked about loving Aquafina and Crazy Rich Asians. Uh-huh. She'll be in the new Little Mermaid that we announced last week. Who's she going to be? Is she going to be like Scuttle or She's Flounder? also going to be in a Marvel movie in this Shang-Chi. Oh She's been cast as well. So the all the hot actors, they're getting them into the Marvel Cinematic Universe also. They've got the money for it, that's Including for sure. Including bringing back some actors and actresses that we thought were gone and done with the MCU. Natalie Portman was on stage for the announcement <sighs> of Thor, right. Love and Thunder. And this is something that I've been looking forward to for so long. And to prove it to you, I want to take us all on a little screen cleaning flashback. Flashback, flashback, flashback. I pine for the Thor trilogy that I didn't get. Hmm. Thor 2 was set to be directed by Patty Jenkins, who we now know can definitely hold superheroes in her hands and make an amazing Wonder Woman movie. It was supposed to feature – and that's what brought Natalie Portman back at the time. She was getting ready to kind of leave the superhero thing, do more serious acting. But with Patty Jenkins on board, she decided to come back and it was supposed to be – Very much that the first Thor was Shakespearean, you know, it was taken over by Kenneth Branagh, it was big, it was epic. This was supposed to be a Romeo-Juliet type love story between Natalie Portman and Thor at the time. And then Hmm. knowing from the comics that Natalie Portman, also her character, becomes the new Thor. When Thor becomes unworthy, she lifts Mjolnir and, and takes on that mantle. We kind of were leading in that direction that her character could be amazing and could be what it is in the comics. But what we got, I, I think it's okay, but it's really generic by the book Thor 2. Jeff, that's something I said almost a year ago to the Whoa. day. In August of 2018, I was again as I've done many times on the program, lamented about the track that the Thor movies kind of took, guess what? It's coming back around. Cole, who would have guessed that all those years ago when that uh, 
magical being gave you that divining rod that you would use it for this very purpose. It's just to see the future of the MCU. It's not to make money or to get rich and famous. Cole, it's, you could it's be saving you could be saving the world. Forget about all these superheroes. It's you, Cole. We need your help. I was talking earlier about this Marvel What If series, and this has always been my biggest what if in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What if we got the Thor 2 that we really deserved, directed by Patty Jenkins and leading to the Jane Foster Thor from the comics? And now it's a little bit late to the party, but we're finally coming around. I'm, I'm back on board for Thor. Well, Cole, there's one trailer that I thought for sure you would have mentioned because it's a sequel to a movie that you and I both loved. Me a little bit more. This is actually one of my favorite movies of all time. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I'm not afraid That's... to admit it. Wow. And I'm surprised it took him 10 years to come out with the sequel. I had basically given up hope that they would ever come out with a sequel because Amazon uh, Studios tried to come up with a Zombieland TV series. This was back when they were – I don't know if they're still doing this, but it used to be when uh, Amazon was getting into the TV series game – they would make a bunch of pilots, and then they would have people vote on which one do you want to see. And this is one that did not make the cut. There was a Zombieland pilot that uh, didn't survive past the first episode. And the interesting thing is Zombieland originally, before it was a movie, started as a TV pilot. That cool zombie kill of the week scene that I love so much. Was it really? That was ripped straight from what was going to be a Zombieland television series where every single week they bring you a new zombie kill of the week. And what's going on in Zombieland this week? Then they just kind of made it into in my opinion, one of the greatest movies of all time. And now we are finally getting a sequel starring Academy Award nominee Jesse Eisenberg, Academy Award nominee Woody Harrelson, Academy Award nominee Emma Stone, and Academy Award nominee Abigail Breslin. Oh, they're very cheeky in their marketing <laughs> for this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... I'm definitely excited. Comic-Con is a time for trailers. We got this Zombieland trailer now after Comic-Con, but during Comic-Con, we also got news of a lot of new television shows that will be coming out, and even a television show that might be getting its own movie. Okay. The Walking Dead has been going on for a little bit. Since I was in diapers, <laughs> The I entire think. run of Breaking Bad and now Better Call Saul, AMC has been bolstered by The Walking Dead. And we got just a short trailer that gave us that theme song and said, The Walking Dead in a new cinematic experience. Whoa. So maybe that means a Walking Dead movie. Maybe it's just going to be one of those Fathom events where episode one is shown in movie theaters of a mm. new season. What we do know is that a lot of their cast is moving on to different things because yeah. they've been doing it for so long. Or they've died, or yeah, they just don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, yeah, but speaking of zombies and speaking of new trailers, that's your Walking Dead news for the week. Okay. Other television series that we got a little bit more information on, Picard, it's the new Star Trek series coming to CBS All Access. We my got favorite another type another trailer for. It's my favorite pie, too. Picard pie. Right. Um, for Star Trek fans like me, it was a, a very pleasing trailer because you got to see a lot of just Star Trek The Next Generation stuff come back. And, and even the movies, like in Nemesis, it's where Data kind of sacrifices himself to save Picard. And now we see you, him dealing with that and we see Data in pieces. And at the very end of the trailer, Brett Spiner is 
it looks like Data talking to him, whether it's in like a flashback or a dream sequence, or maybe he's playing his twin android brother lore, or maybe he's playing, you know, the original creator of the androids, Nunian Sun. Um, all of these kind of Star Trek things showed up. I'm a big Voyager fan myself. Seven of Nine, played by Jerry Ryan, was in this trailer, so she will be mm. in the television series. I'm very excited. I'm I'm more of a Star Trek fan than I get to than I get to talk about on this show very often. Am I going to get in trouble it. for saying that I appreciate the accessibility of the the most recent Star Trek trilogy? Like I like that you know the dumb action movie Star Treks as opposed to the philosophical questioning tar- the have, next generation. You have to admit that first Star Trek movie back in I think it was 2009. like 2009. Mm-hmm. That was a whole lot of fun, Cole. Oh, that was a fun it's movie. It's also one of my favorite movies. Oh, wow. Oh, 08, 09, like that Zombieland Star Trek time. That's when I was like a junior and a senior in high school. And that's a, that, there are plenty of good movies then. Good times. I got married around that time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, but Cole, let's rewind the clock just a little bit before that. Last okay. week on the program, we talked about movies of the 80s. Yes. Now, Jeff... I'm Let's talking about forward. movie uh, movies of the 90s, Cole. Movies of the 90s. And if my list for movies that I had not seen from the 80s that were mentioned on this program, the movies on CNN, mm-hmm. if I thought that list was large back or back when last week, last week, this list is even larger. This is a time when a lot of the filmmakers and performers and uh, movie reviewers that are that are uh, interviewed for this program. They're mentioning how the 90s is a huge time for independent movies and Sundance. And, yeah, Robert Redford talks about how, you know, I was I was in all these really huge movies and I was at a, a point in my life where I I wanted to start giving these younger up and coming filmmakers a chance at, to and also shine a spotlight on these movies that otherwise would not see the light of day. Right. So there are a ton of independent movies on this list that I have not seen. Um, and it, it also talked about something that I would love to explore at some point down the line on screen cleaning. Just these this idea of big scenes in movies, you know, like these iconic scenes. The so of movie course, money shot. Right. Of course, they they mentioned the headbanging scene, the Bohemian Rhapsody scene in Wayne's World. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I scene have, that you fast forward to when you're watching the movie. Right. Right. And I have some, and of course, they, they, they spent some time talking about particular performers and filmmakers. So you had a whole section on Quentin Tarantino, who had some really big hits in the 90s. His career began in the 90s. Right. Reservoir won, Dogs and Pulp Fiction. Won the Oscar for Pulp start. Fiction. And, That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and also performers like Jim Carrey. And speaking of some of these performers, I have a couple of trivia questions here that are going to be a walk in the park for you, Cole. Well. But uh, let's give our listeners a, a second here to play at home. You betcha. This actor was singled out... As um, no, no, no. Let me let me rephrase this. The Fourth of July weekend was blocked out for this actor in the nineties. Well, it's a good thing that you and I had a whole show based <laughs> on this entire concept just a couple weeks ago in honor of the Fourth of July. The answer is Will Smith. Ding, ding, ding. That is correct. <laughs> okay, let me go with the other easy one. You may find it easy, Cole. But this year in the 90s was singled out as somebody described this year as, I think somebody put something in the water. 
because they were just coming out with hit after hit after hit after hit. And people, as somebody else described it as um, everyone was trying to, uh, everybody was cramming for the final exam and movie after movie after movie was made in this year that was just amazing. Well, if you're asking me, Jeff, yes, you know that my answer will always be 1999. That final exam coming up was the end of the millennium. Right. It was a it was an interesting time to be making movies and I love the films of 1999. All of them celebrating their 20th anniversary this year. Yeah. We know recently that Damien Chazelle at age 32 took home the best director Oscar and he was the youngest person to do that. However, in the 90s, we got our youngest Best Director nominee. Do you know who it is, Cole? Ooh, I'm not sure if I do. I will give you a clue. This director is no longer with us. Oh, sad. And he was the youngest to be nominated just in the 90s. He just passed away this year, I believe. Sad. But he was interviewed as part of the CNN miniseries, The Movies. Okay. Who was it? It is John Singleton, the director of Boys in the Hood, nominated for Best Director at the young age of just barely 24 years old. That is huge. What were you doing at 24, Jeff? Not directing, you know, major motion pictures like that. that Me neither. were influential. Anyway, check out. The movies on CNN. There's another episode that's available that is the 2000s until now, which we will talk about next week. And then they're doing this in a weird order instead of probably because they want to end with the golden age of Hollywood. But they started with the 80s, went to the 90s, 2000s to now. And I think they're going to go back from there and we'll probably end with the 40s or 50s. All right. Fair enough. Anyway, when we return, Cole and I are going to have a discussion that we've never had on screen cleaning before. It's a unique idea. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you exactly what uh, the conversation will revolve around, but it has to do with the afterlife. When we return, this is Screen Cleaning. Heaven and hell decide that they both are satisfied. Welcome back to Screen Cleaning. So after a recent recording, Cole and I were just having a friendly, frank conversation with each other. I had shared a bit of of sad news from my family, and it got us talking about life after death. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's I think it's a conversation that comes up in friendships and in families. And it's certainly a conversation and a thought that has piqued the interest and the curiosity of filmmakers over the years as well. It got us thinking, you know, what is everybody's idea or hopes for the afterlife? Right. You know, mm-hmm. you think about, well, I would I would love to see my loved ones again. Right. And I think a lot of people would really love to see their loved ones. Hopefully you have a good enough relationship with your loved ones that that would be a wish of yours. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's just the more selfish. I want to dine in paradise. I want to eat anything I want and just have a good time to finally, you know, shuffle off the mortal coil and enjoy myself for a change. Right. So that there are the things that we want. But then there are also the things that people think like this is probably what it could be like, you know, like. Mm -hmm. 
I I could probably flag down some scholar or very interesting person that I've always wanted to meet that was just lived in a different time, and I would ask him these questions. Right? I I could see it being like that. Or oh, when we when we pass on, I'm just going to be able to rest and you know not have to worry about anything at all. This whole spectrum is represented on film, and so we want to take a moment to kind of appreciate that and and see how these things can help the discussion or help people, you know, come to an understanding because death is eventually a part of life. Right. And in this main conversation, we're going to cover nine films and some of the themes that they touch on dealing with the afterlife. Some are things that more are more of a belief. Some are more of a desire. And uh, some are just a little weird. And some are fun, right? Yes. Yeah. What, do we, what do we all want to see? We all want to see our friends and our families. But what about our pets that we're with all that time? Yeah. Well, fortunately, I'm pretty sure movies have taught me all dogs go to heaven. Right. <laughs> and thank you for queuing that up for this first film, Cole. This is a movie that uh, back at a time when, uh, you know, movie studios were trying to compete with Disney back in the early 90s, right? Mm-hmm. In the late 80s. Land and, Before Time, this, Titan AE, kind of those not Disney animated movies. Right. This is Don Bluth. You got Don Bluth versus Walt Disney. And you have an animated movie starring Burt Reynolds. And Dom DeLuise. Which is not as a, <laughs> as much of a surprise because I think they were kind of chummy back uh-huh. then, you know, and they've both since deceased or have passed on, interestingly enough. Right. But uh, they're with their dogs now. This idea that, you know, I think a lot of people, especially people that don't have children, they I think the idea of their pets being in heaven with them is comforting, you know, something that they would have hope in. Right. The interesting thing about this movie is that they say right out all dogs go to heaven. And yet the big plot is that the Burt Reynolds dog doesn't really go to heaven. Like he talks about how he's kind of a bad dog and he weasels his way out of heaven to come back to earth and, you know, still have a good time here and, you know, kind of exploit this little girl that can talk to dogs. And it's, it's a weird kind of movie where Burt Reynolds isn't the good guy, but he has an arc and he comes around by the end. Yeah. But, uh, I, I think this is a very comforting idea for a lot of people. And, yeah, I think I think people would like to know that all dogs do go to heaven. Yeah. Interesting. Um so the next one uh is one that would certainly fall into the weird category. Oh, this is one of my Weird favorites. and Tim Burton are kind of synonymous <laughs> or synonymous, right, Cole? Mhm. And I think the reason we wanted this on the list is because you kind of get a little bit of a peek behind the curtain. Doesn't necessarily mirror any belief that I have in the afterlife <laughs> as far as like the uh, the um, administrative side of things, we'll just say. I just love how it represents the 80s and that turn into the 90s so well that what's more that generation than an afterlife that's just kind of an office building where there's filing cabinets and you got to go through the procedures and when you die, you're given a book that you're supposed to read, but no one really does and no one's really <laughs> keeping track of you. And if you want to stick around and haunt your house, go ahead, but they might assign you a caseworker and just all of these kind of boring, mundane things made to look so cool by Tim Burton's designs. But all of these people that are working in this office environment aren't, you know, flying around with halos. In fact, <laughs> you're seeing them 
as they appeared when they died. Yeah. So you if have... If your throat was slit, you got a big gash in your throat right now. If you were run over by a truck, you're flat and you're being, like, carried around on a little clothes hanger looking thing. Right, right. Very interesting pick. Again, uh... I, I guess it could be the way things are. Not necessarily what I think, but it's just so much fun and so weird. We had to put it on the list, right, Cole? Yeah, not necessarily what you dream of. The next one is another fantasy take on it. Like, what if it was like this? Mm-hmm. And that's the heaven and hell that Bill and Ted journey to in their bogus journey, the sequel. Absolutely. You just get this really weird, bizarre look at you know, hell or purgatory or whatever. It's all of those bad, like when you think of what's the bad place, it's having to relive your most feared or your most traumatic memories. And in this, it's kind of played for laughs as just your like weird looking ant trying to give you a big old smooch. Right. And, you know, you have this ominous presence in death Mm. that is challenging Bill and Ted to a contest for the salvation of their souls, right? But it's and this, the funniest Grim Reaper you'll yeah. ever see. So, like, he's very grim, very dark, menacing. He says, you must challenge me to a contest. And they say... No one has ever won. No one has ever won. And then cut to them playing Twister and <laughs> Battleship. <laughs> Just a ridiculous setup. And, oh my gosh, it is so... Funny. And Death is not that good at Twister, turns no, out. he's not good at any of these games because they keep beating him and they're like, best of seven. He's like, yes, we're playing again. Oh my gosh. I want to go back and watch this movie again because it is so funny and so ridiculous. And I can't wait for Bill and Ted Face the Music to come out, mm-hmm. which has been teased for decades. And we get a glimpse into the good place in this movie as well when That's they right. go up and and kind of meet some aliens there. They meet Ben Franklin and Albert Einstein, too, and they get to talk to God. He gives them some advice on how to complete their journey. Right, and a lot of these movies give us a a snapshot of what heaven might look like, and in this one, heaven is uh, quoting rock and roll lyrics. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) The next one is, oh, if this was not my favorite movie of the year it came out. It was one of them. And one of my favorite Pixar movies, to be sure, it is Coco. What would it be like if we could just go back and forth between our world and the land of the dead? Yeah. And I love this, the the overall message of, of it's important that we remember those who've passed on, that we keep them alive by telling their stories. Mm-hmm. Right, Cole? And singing songs as well in true Disney fashion. Right, and uh, won the Oscar for Best Animated Feature. No surprise there. Ultimately, the Academy remembered Coco. Nice. Thank you, Coco. Um, Oh, my goodness, Cole. Anytime a discussion comes up about the afterlife in movies, this movie is consistently ranked the best afterlife movie and i would agree because it's one of my favorite movies in general Mm -hmm. yeah this is also a pg movie and basically this gives you a glimpse of not heaven not hell but what what happens in between this world and heaven right because you know there maybe there's an assessment period to see if you deserve to go to the good place or 
moving on. It's never defined in this movie what that next step is, but it also uh, you the option is to move forward or to move backward. And I don't want to give too much away about the getting moving backward part because we have an, another film coming up in this list that deals more with that. But also this idea that plays into people's desires of, oh, when I go to heaven, I won't have to worry about my weight anymore. It's just going to be a party. We're going to have so much fun. This is a, a movie called Defending Your Life. And anybody who's a Meryl Streep fan will be familiar with this movie because it stars Meryl Streep and Albert Brooks in a film that he wrote and directed and starred in. And it's in a place called Judgment City. It's this resort-like place that you go to for a, a varying amount of time, depending on the life that you've led. And you are going there to not only... Um, Enjoy yourself with, with a round of mini golf or go to a comedy club or eat as much as you can possibly eat and not gain any weight. And it's the best tasting food you've ever had. But also, among other things, you are there to you're on trial for your life. You're on trial to, de- to decide whether you get to move on or not. OK, so there's a defender and there's a prosecutor mm. and. This is part of the thing that I the movie that I enjoy and part that I hope will will actually happen after this <laughs> life where you get to sit down and watch movie clips from your life for better or for worse um but yeah and then you have to defend that movie clip like what was going on here you know and that is such a unique way to look at the afterlife. It's the definitive instant replay. Often right. I think about – I remember I was playing soccer with one of my buddies one time, and I thought it was a goal, and he didn't, and we thought that there was a foul on the play. Anyway, we were <laughs> friendly arguing for a little bit Yeah. Um, in, in really the most kind-hearted way. We were just having right. fun with it. And eventually I said, you know, one of these days – we're going to be dead. We're going to be in that afterlife. And I'm going to show you this instant replay and prove to you that I scored. I really did. I swear. Hopefully. Um, and if, that's the kind of fun stuff that yeah, I look yeah. that I would look forward to and that I would hope is a part of that afterlife. But hopefully we would have more important things to think <laughs> about or worry about. I, I, hopefully we won't have anything to worry about after this right. life. But uh, yeah, I hope we get some of that fun, too. Yeah, it would be nice to have some of that recall. Like, I would love to watch a video clip of, you know, when I proposed to my wife or when I was in a play or, you know. And a way to feel those emotions again, exactly. too. Jeff, you've watched the birth of a few children as well mm-hmm. to be able to feel that feeling again, to look into their eyes for the first time. or Plus, I would love to eat whatever I want and not gain yeah, any weight, Yeah, that's pretty too. cool, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, Cole, you watched this next movie, a movie that neither you nor I had been was familiar with before we started to put this show together. No, nah, but it's called Made in Heaven, and it tackles the idea of reincarnation. That would be the going back part that you alluded to in defending your life where uh the star the star of the show here is living a life um he's you know about to leave on this long trip to california but he makes a stop along the side of the road to help these drowning children he's a very good swimmer and so he saves a couple of them but eventually accidentally passes on he after saving the last one he gets caught in the car 
And to his surprise, he wakes up in a very white room and very Mm -hmm. heaven looking, uh, coming to the grips with the fact that he died. But while he's there in heaven, he falls in love. He meets this girl that hasn't been born yet. Um, She hasn't had a chance to live her life yet. And they fall in love and they kind of get married in heaven and they (laughs) they love each other a lot until one day she gets the call to come down and be born Mm. to which he goes to his special angel guy and he says, hey, I want to get born again, too. Just. I put me in the same continent as her. I swear we will find each other. Our love is that amazing and that important that it can transcend everything. And I'll remember, I swear. And so mm. they put him down on other ends of the country. They kind of live totally different lives. But eventually they do find each other because, you know, it's an 80s movie and love wins all. So you, it kind of makes it seem like when they're born to the earth then that there is they lose their memory or there's some sort of a veil that's they placed can't over totally them. They totally remember what was happening okay. in heaven in that before slash after slash medium place. Interesting. Until they see each other. I mean they constantly have these dreams. They know that there's something else that they should be doing. Um, and eventually that love does triumph. Cole, that is like every day of my life. I feel like I was. I'm, I feel like I'm supposed to be somewhere right now. I know I'm forgetting something, which is why I have a million alarms set on my phone. So yeah. really, it's a bunch of stuff you planned and was made in heaven before you came here. I'm just grateful that it's not about some like made m i m a i d and that they do like the Jennifer Lopez thing where it's like made in, in Manhattan, Manhattan. <laughs> or made of honor. But instead of – yeah, anyway. Someone's got to keep the pearly gates <laughs> pearly white. That is true, Cole. <laughs> I'm just grateful that they didn't go for the pun there. So the next one, speaking of horror, this is the one horror movie that's going to be in our main discussion. And rightfully so. It's The Sixth Sense. He sees dead people. And speaking of young directors, M. Night Shyamalan was in his 20s when he was nominated for Best Director for The Sixth Sense. This movie was nominated for Best Picture. Huge deal. Haley Joel Osment got an Oscar nomination. 99 was a fun time. But this is a theme we see coming up over and over and over in movies about the afterlife. But this is more of a mystery as much – more so than a horror movie – and you get to see, yet again, all of these ghosts that are kind of just stuck here on Earth. They had this unfinished business that exactly. they need to take care of. So, you know, for most of us, we kind of picture death being a time to move on and to have all of these wonderful things. But what if you have that unresolved business? Or what if what if death was kind of a very traumatic event that, that kind of takes you by surprise and you you don't realize that you're dead in the very Bruce Willis kind of a way there. You need to kind of find a way to deal with that and to come to terms with the fact that you're dead before you're ready to move on. That's the way the sixth sense envisions our afterlife. Speaking of, of loved ones that kind of linger on earth, there's another movie called truly madly deeply. (laughs) The reason I was so excited to watch this film is because growing up, 
you watch that VHS copy of one of your favorite movies, you see the same trailers over and over and over again. So I want to say it was The Princess Bride that I would just watch a hundred times, and this trailer came up every time, truly, madly, deeply. So I got very used to it and had never seen it, but has Alan Rickman in it as the loved one who's passed away, and the wife is just devastated, lives every day wallowing in sorrow, just pining for her loved one to come back. And this is the movie that that poses the question, what if your loved one did come back? What if it wasn't just like, oh, it's like I'm talking to them. It's like they're there. What if, what they, if they were, were really there? there, right? And it's interesting because there's nothing there's there's nothing very ghost like about him other than the fact that nobody uh has a scene with Alan Rickman other than his living wife, right? So there's no like dissolving into a ghost like specter. There's no, you know, um there's Ooh. nothing there's nothing really supernatural yeah. about it, right? Sure. And really he just spends the entire movie just hanging about her flat. This takes place in Great Britain, obviously. (laughs) And they play music together and they sing together and they just cuddle together. And it's really kind of amusing because later on in the movie, his dead friends start showing up and hanging out as well and kind of just living there and watching old movies on VHS. Which is one of the reasons why Roger Ebert loves this movie so much, because he likes this idea of like, you know, if I'm dead, I I want to be able to pop in five easy pieces when I feel like it, you know? But it also kind of gives new definition to the term a deadbeat husband, because at some <laughs> point, Alan Rickman can't really move on and right. she meets someone else. That is true. So is she going to is she going to keep, you know living in the past with somebody that's dead and Mm -hmm. she can't really have a real relationship with, or is she going to move on and have, so that's the trailer. Like, is she going to choose the one that she's truly madly deeply in love with or the one that's truly madly deeply alive, you know? And, uh, there are some fun, amusing scenes in this movie, but, uh, we'll get back to this just in, in, in our next segment. When we talk about a similar movie, that I prefer a little more. Okay. But the last movie that we want to talk about in this discussion is a movie that Cole and I have not seen in its entirety. I probably fell asleep about 45 minutes into it. I quoted Shakespeare earlier. It's This also takes its title from that Hamlet soliloquy. It's What Dreams May Come. Right. And it's based on a book that is from one of my favorite authors, Richard Matheson, who does a lot of horror and science fiction he's passed on but he did a lot of uh, he did some stories that uh, the twilight zone uh, based some of their material on his on his writings and he's done a lot of scary material stir of echoes and a lot of movies that you wouldn't realize like oh i didn't know that was written by richard matheson but he's then he's also done some more close to the heart and romantic material like Somewhere in Time and, in this case, What Dreams May Come. And the idea that is posed in this one is what if you could travel from 
diff- from one afterlife to another. Meaning, like, what if there are different levels of the afterlife?、Mm-hmm. So you know, you've got hell, you've got heaven. There's a lot of in between in this, and this is kind of a controversial idea that's set up here because. He passes away. He dies in a car accident. Robin Williams is here, right? Sorry, and then his wife is so stricken with grief that she takes her own life. This is the part that's really controversial because because of that act, she goes to hell, which is a pretty hot button idea, right? But he's in heaven, and she's in hell. What about what? The, the, there's this idea of what if you could travel from heaven to hell to try to save your loved one? Done a little more serious than when Bill and Ted、right. make the bogus journey back and forth, and there's really kind of ta- trying to come to grips with what it means, and and is it even really heaven if his loved one isn't there? Great question, Cole, and one that we can't really answer on the show, or that we'll even attempt to answer. But when we return, there are so many of these movies that we couldn't put as, as part of our main discussion that we would just like to gloss over, and maybe give you some ideas for movies that you could watch and ha- have these deep questions. And but hopefully, we've also given you some options that are just fun, weird movies to enjoy. That's up next on Screen Cleaning. Every time it rains, it rains, and it's from heaven. In this discussion, we've been having about afterlife. Heaven and hell, as the music has kind of alluded to during the course of the、right. episode, the afterlife in the movies. Yeah, we wanted to just gloss over some of the other movies that we didn't include in our overall discussion. We thought we wanted to do a whole segment on. We thought we wanted to have different categories and maybe talk about angels in movies. And there are certainly a lot of movies that include angels, especially from you know. Like the fifties, here comes Mr. Jordan, which is a movie that has been remade countless times. Heaven Can Wait with Warren Beatty and a couple Christmas entries.、Mm-hmm. At least we treat them as Christmas movies now. Like It's a Wonderful Life, and then especially The Bishop's Wife got one of those remakes you talked about when Denzel Washington starred as the preacher's、uh, the preacher. Uh, he didn't star as the preacher's wife, but、right. that was the movie. <laughs> There are a couple of movies about angels who figured, you know. I think I'd rather be a human than an angel. You know, you've got City of Angels, you've got John Travolta in Michael, who's an angel who's just doing a lot of non-angel-like things, right? Smoking and drinking and partying, and he's got the wings. He's an angel, but he's not your—he's not your.、Uh, Cookie cutter angel. And what if、say. Christopher Lloyd, the angel, helped out his favorite baseball team, the Anaheim Angels, <laughs> Angels in the outfield? My brother and I always joke that whenever we go to an angel game, we want to stand up and just start, you know, flapping our arms like they do in the movie to resurrect the chances of the Angels winning. I'm sure the other Anaheim professional sports team, the Ducks, get a, quite a few slow quack, claps quack, and, cla- quack. and quacks that people <laughs> want to start in the audience as well. Yeah, and then plenty of movies about 
what if you could oversee your loved ones? There's a, a Steven Spielberg movie that neither you nor I have seen called Always mm. with Holly Hunter and Richard Dreyfus and John Goodman. Um, then there's, of course, Ghost. This is the movie. That transitions pretty well. Right. So, yeah, he's not so much an angel, but he is a ghost that's around requiring a medium kind of in a sixth sense kind of way where he can only speak to Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Um, but it's a way to kind of reconnect with his loved one. Whoopi Goldberg in her Oscar winning performance as Otome Brown, I think is her character's name. Very funny performance. It's worth watching this movie just for Whoopi Goldberg. And, uh, you know, he's also got a little bit of unfinished business. But this is the movie that I I alluded to earlier that was kind of a similar theme to Truly Madly Deeply. In fact, Roger Ebert called Truly Madly Deeply the thinking person's ghost. And then this idea of um, ghosts showing up in your backyard playing baseball 24-7 in Field of Dreams. Mm-hmm. Where you get this weird whisper of, if you. He will come. But the he is not necessarily who you think he is. It seems like it's Shoeless Joe, but maybe yeah, But not. it's not. <laughs> yeah. And then this this idea of a movie that uh, really makes true on its title, a movie called Drag Me to Hell. That's all we need to say about it. Let's just say it makes true on its promise in the title. It's a PG-13 horror that Jeff enjoys. (laughs) And so I let him talk about it, even though it's not one of my favorite Sam Raimi kind of flicks. um, I appreciate that Jeff actually likes a horror movie kind of. What about the ghosts that show up that uh, you just want to get rid of and you don't know who you're going to call? In another corporate 80s way, the Ghostbusters puts us in this fantasy world where when presented with real evidence of an afterlife and real life ghosts, uh, there's just a local business that crops up and gets to work busting them for you. That's right. Or... Even the Frighteners, in kind of a twist on that idea, you have somebody that uh, is, in quote uh, quotes, getting rid of ghosts, but he's actually, he can see ghosts, and he is kind of a flim-flam man, and he's sending ghosts into these people's homes so that then he can bust them or get rid of them, right? But he's actually really good friends with these ghosts. A ghost con artist. Yeah. <laughs> Great idea for a movie. It's also a horror movie. And uh, Peter Jackson, before he came out with The Lord of the Rings, Mm -hmm. back in his, like, horror film days. So Lord of the Rings brings up, you know, what if you go to elf heaven? And that's Mm -hmm. just kind of like sailing Mm -hmm. off into the West. In the Transformers movies, Shia LaBeouf goes to Transformers robot heaven. All kinds of movies that you don't expect the afterlife to crop up into. Sometimes it does. Yeah, and hopefully as we've shared some of these films with you, you've come to realize that there are a ton of movies about the afterlife. And I think somewhere between all of these ideas that we've come up with, Cole, I I think I've got a pretty good idea of what I might like heaven to be like. Sure. You know? <laughs> Especially the idea of eating all I can eat without gaining any weight. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, when we return, we're going to take a look at our summer movie box office and see who's doing a little better on their list. That's up next on Screen Cleaning. Summer between heaven and hell.
and every week this summer, we here at Screen Cleaning like to take a look at the summer box office reports, not just because we like numbers and movies. A lot because we like numbers and movies. But mostly because Cole and I have a little bit of a friendly wager going on here. And, uh, oh, I hope this uh, latest release of The Lion King isn't the nail in the coffin for me. This was my last hope, a Hail Mary, if you will, and it's looking good so far. Whenever we ended our report last week, kind of looking forward to what was coming, we said maybe, maybe on the optimistic side, Lion King would make $175 million in its opening weekend. How much? How much did it actually do, Jeff? Tell me. Tell me the good news. Uh, like a hundred ninety something, or yeah. Great news! The next mm. highest grossing opening weekend was Toy Story with a hundred thirty. It shattered that. This is the movie I thought would be the number one movie of the summer. It's the movie that it looks like will be the number one movie of the summer. It could probably even pass Spider-Man by next weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if it drops 50%, it's still almost $100 million in its second weekend. That would be great. Toy Story 4 has some amazing legs, though, Cole. It's uh, currently at $383 million, and it just keeps churning out more ticket sales. So... I don't think I don't think Lion King is is by any means a shoe in, especially when you consider the Lion King only has one more month before we officially close the door on the summer, at which point we will also close the door on the box office receipts. So whatever a movie is earned by that point, that's where it ends up on our top 10 list. Labor Day weekend is our deadline. Once it gets, like, so before Labor Day weekend, the Thursday before that first weekend in September, that's when we close those doors. And so Lion King, you have until then. That's my last hope, is that Lion King will not surpass Toy Story 4. Toy Story got the head start. It probably will, it'll probably crush Spider-Man, unfortunately. That's all right. But right now, outside of that top movie of the weekend, we're looking at some subtle differences between our lists. I have Rocket Man, which is still currently hanging on to the top 10, and your one movie that you have that I didn't was X-Men Dark Phoenix. It's already out, so you're you're also going to be a big fan of this Tarantino movie making some money, so I thought I'd bring yes. up a little bit of his history at the box office. His most recent movie, The Hateful Eight, his eighth movie, mm-hmm. only made $54 million mm. domestically, mm. and we do look at domestic numbers here for this competition. That would not be enough to push it past Rocket Man, but the two movies before that, Django and Inglourious Bastards, both came in over $100 million. Okay. So if it leans more on that side, it could push back Rocket Man. If it doesn't, it might not. We will see it comes out this weekend. As you know, we like to end each show by doing a little panning for good. There's good in them dire hills. Since we focused so much on the afterlife in film today, we wanted to share a couple of our picks for shows that you should definitely check out if you have not already. On the small screen that kind of tackle a similar concept in very different ways. Right. So I will forever sing the praises of a show on NBC called The Good Place. An Emmy-nominated show Absolutely. On NBC. And the reason I'm doing that is because it was announced that season four, which comes out two months from today, will be 
the final season of The Good Place. So you got to go on to Netflix and binge watch these seasons. There are only, I think, 13 episodes in each season, so it's not a huge commitment. They're only 20-minute episodes. But this is the show about a girl that ends up in, quote, The Good Place. But here's the uh, interesting thing. She doesn't belong there. <gasps> They've got the right name, but she's that's not the person there that they're confusing her for. And so uh, she has to kind of lay low and convince everybody that she does. She is, in fact, that person that actually belongs there. Great show with an amazing twist. Probably the best twist I've ever seen on any TV show at the end of season one. And then there's another twist at the end of season two. It's a very interesting show. One of those, I mean, that's the definition of high concept. You know, Absolutely. A character dies and we see what happens afterwards. One of my favorite television shows also renewed for a final season that will start this fall. Um, a 15th season wow. as opposed to The Good Places. Wow. just. Pedestrian 4. Supernatural. Also tackles life after death in in a slightly different way. It's two main characters, brothers Sam and Dean Winchester, often have interactions with angels and demons. Um, They head to hell and back a few times and, and see what's on the other side there. A very kind of cynical look at a more Old Testament view of what angels and demons and the war of the apocalypse would be, but also tackling, you know, these same after death and afterlife kind of issues just in a more horror and a grounded um, but also ridiculous and fun at times sometimes way as well so where can people find that show again Cole? supernatural is very much a cw show okay but it's also on netflix if you want to binge and prepare for its final season my goodness well we've enjoyed speaking about the afterlife and hopefully we've done it in a sensitive enough way and uh hopefully it got you thinking about what happens after you die? And, and prepare for some conversations. Movies like Coco and, and Pixar products that can start conversations even with some of the youngest kids. Right. And regardless of what you believe, we could all use a little more hope. We all need something to believe in. Right, Cole? Sure. That's going to do it for this episode of Screen Cleaning. We're here each and every Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, right here on BYU Radio. BYU Radio.